It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that was fully in attendance for the entire Maryland baseball regional, the College Park Regional. Guys, we were all there at different times. You guys were there Friday. I wasn't there. And then I was there for Sunday and Monday. Banks, you were there for Monday night. I can't say I ever thought we would lead off consecutive X-52 podcasts, um, at least not, at least not, you know, I get, you know, you're talking about more sports. You're thinking, okay, we'll just like, you know, always be Orioles this time of year and then we'll get another things. But like Maryland baseball was so clearly the story of the weekend, which we kind of said last week, we were like, Hey, if you haven't really been into this, like this is going to be fun and people are super interested and the crowds are going to be awesome. And the team's really fun. And, we had Matt Swope on, and he did a great job contextualizing all that. But what a weekend. Terps end up losing the regional to UConn in controversial fashion, which I think is added to the entire sort of aura and remembrance of this weekend with a very controversial call involving um, Bubba Aline, the Big Ten Player of the Year, first-team All-American. Uh, but Maryland fans really showed up and uh, made an amazing college baseball atmosphere that I think speaks to – both the want for baseball to be, you know, consistently good and what it can be at Maryland. And by and large, I think just the interest in good baseball in this region. And I think we see, we see that when the Orioles and the nationals are good is people show up and are very, very excited. And, you know, this is a underrated state that really loves baseball. Um, But you guys were both there. Uh, What were your experiences and what will you take away from? I hopefully something. And I think with Rob Vaughn and, all the guys in place. I think this is something we could see pretty consistently um, with continued investment, uh, Maryland hosting regionals. What'd you guys, you guys think of the whole thing? I think it was awesome. I, I, I've gotten a little taste of it going to supers at UVA when they made that in what, 15 and 16. Um, it's just really cool to, to go and watch baseball in an environment where everyone is invested in seemingly every pitch. You don't get that here in Baltimore unless it's a playoff game where it's like, you know, guy throws a, a fastball in the outside corner for a strike and you get applause and people are fired up by strike one. Like you don't get that going to MLB baseball games at all. Cause there's 162 of them and people are going to the game just to go to the game and, you know, have some beers and, you know, eat some hot dogs or whatever, but this people were there to watch baseball and be invested in, be invested in every pitch. And um, it's just, it's a different vibe. I can't really describe it unless you go to it. And that's why I hope, if you're listening, you had a chance to go. Um, but it's college baseball is just a different animal. And if you you followed along, not just that regional, but all the regionals this past weekend, you were in for a treat because <clears throat> there were some games that really uh, – I, I mean, these Oklahoma State, did you see what they did on Sunday? They put up 43 runs in two games. Like the <laughs> offensive prowess of some of these guys are awesome. But just the amount of high leverage situations that occur and, and the the – I mean, the bullpen management, you, that's a whole conversation in itself, but that makes for some exciting Mondays. You know, Monday during regional weekend is an underrated sports day. It just gets no love. There were nine games yesterday that were, you know, win or go home and for both teams, and it delivered in a big way. There were some really tight games, and, and teams, you know, came away winners and it was, it was just, just a lot of fun to watch and, and be a part of it because I've watched college baseball for a long time. Um, but to have your team invest in it is just, it helps you to get invested in the entire thing. And, and I just, um, I'm thankful for Maryland having such a great season where they could actually host it. And 
I'm glad that some people here in the region got a, a chance to taste it too. And yeah, I mean, I had obviously a different taste than you guys did. I didn't go to Maryland. I grew up rooting for them, but again, I don't have that connection like you guys do. Um, but I thought Friday night was, I mean, that's about as, as much fun as I've had at a baseball game in a while. And again, I mean, game is over by the fourth inning, third inning, pretty much second inning, technically. Um, it was great. Like you said, Banks, every, I mean, people were living and dying with every pitch, every strike, people were going nuts, every ball, people were giving it to the umpire. Um, and you know, like, like we, we talked about it off air. Um, the team was fun. Like they had a lot of energy. They had a lot of, I don't know if you want to call it swag. If you want to call it confidence, they, I mean, they were good and they knew it. And, and you could tell they were juiced up by the fans. And again, that Friday night game where they were just every ball. I mean, I think for a while I was trying to, I was trying to keep up and see how long they would have more runs than hits because at one point they had, you know, 19 runs on 16 hits or 17 hits. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. Again, the, the atmosphere was awesome. The amount of people that were there. I mean, it was standing room. Obviously they had to put those bleachers out there and left. Um, I, I enjoyed it all. And again, I obviously not, not as big a college baseball fan as you guys are. I, I do enjoy it. And again, this weekend has been great. Um, I mean, the Oklahoma State kid, like, tiptoeing around third base, just pissing off every Arkansas fan was unbelievable. I don't know if you guys Yeah, saw doing that. that, and then the next home run that he hit sprinting around the bases. <laughs> I mean, that guy, that guy, I mean, that 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 whole series by itself could have, like, a 30 for 30 done on it. But, yeah, I mean, again, it, it was very entertaining baseball to watch. And, I, I mean, and it kind of worked out perfectly last night or Monday night with the Orioles being off, it being unbelievable. I mean, it was perfect weather. It wasn't too hot. There was like, you know, no wind. It was, it was awesome. It was perfect weather. Um, and again, no Orioles baseball. So people, I know people who would normally be at an Oriole game on Monday night, they went down to college park and they went to the game. And again, I mean, the stands were packed for a Monday night, obviously school still going on, you know, for teachers, people with kids and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of people made their way down there. And I think that's a great, I, I mean, it's a good, it's a good point or it's a good selling point that again, people will go out. If, like you said, if the teams are good, people will go out and support. And, and like you said, hopefully this translates to next year and, you know, coach Vaughn can, can get people rallied around them. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, it's, again, they've got a good program that they've got a lot of good players and, you know, like, like you said, I, I don't know if you said it or I was watching Vaughn's press conference. Like this, this isn't going to be like a one-time thing. It's like, this is, you know, this they don't want this to be a one-time thing like they want this next year and the year after and stuff like that so you know it's a good building block a, you know stepping stone i guess you could say um and you know hopefully this is the norm and not just like a wow you remember that when they hosted that was cool so hopefully going forward that this is something that you can almost pencil in every year yeah i think that i think you know i would make a couple of points here in terms of like me and banks have sort of wave the flag a little bit for college baseball on this podcast at times. And obviously it's become, you know, more prevalent with how good Maryland has been. And that's become a story locally, especially, you know, with a little bit of a lack of, you know, Maryland spring sports have kind of become a really good story over the last month with men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse and baseball is the one that's not, you know, has made some runs, but it's not been like this consistently good throughout a season where it like builds and builds and builds on itself and builds on itself. College baseball is a really fun product. And it's a baseball product that, you know, 
you can go and, and we did this before the podcast and like debate the format of a regional and whether that really determines like if a team is as good as another team based on like the fact that they're, do, you know, they don't do this all year and then they're playing all these games and stretching pitching and you get these wild five hour games or whatever, but just as like a week to week product and especially in the postseason. It's just fun. It's a lot of the things that people want from Major League Baseball. Like Major League Baseball says, we're bringing the kids. We're having fun. But that's literally what all of this is. There's bat flips. There's shenanigans in the dugouts. There's like a lot of relatable players. Like you see a lot of body types in college baseball, like (laughs) at every position that you're like, this guy doesn't look like a great baseball player, which happens in the majors, but it's just a little bit more authentic in college. And as Banks started off this discussion by saying, like, you are living and dying with every pitch of these games, and it just feels like anything can happen. Where I think sometimes during a Major League Baseball game, like, you don't feel like you can come back from nine runs. But, like, last night with the circumstance of what's going on, there was no reason why anybody thought Maryland couldn't come back in the game. Like, the, the, the crowd stayed in the game despite the People fact they were leave. down nine to one. Um. And this is not like a, you know, this is a thing that I think people around here are experiencing for the first time, but this is like a rite of passage in June in Oxford, Mississippi, and, you know, in Florida, in Florida at LSU, at Mississippi State, at Georgia, on the West Coast, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona State. Like, this is something they're doing every year. And these environments, like, as Banks talked about, we were both at the super. He was at both supers. I was at the 15th super. Like that was an amazing environment at UVA. I can't stand UVA to be quite frank. That was an incredible environment. Their fans brought to the table, added by a lot of Maryland fans that traveled. Like college base, I would argue that, and we've had you know some really really nice events this year at Maryland. That game last night's the most electric thing that's happened the entire year in terms of like from bell to bell it being a consistent big time atmosphere. There was mm-hmm. that kind of buzz for Maryland, Iowa on Friday night. Unfortunately, that didn't go our way very early and often. And the Dante Dimas injury took the crowd out of the game for the remainder of the game. Mm-hmm. The, the men's basketball 2002 reunion was incredible, but really more electric because of like the moment of the 2002 team coming out. It wasn't necessarily like a big time crowd the entire year or the entire game. This was like a like when Luke Schligger led off the first inning with a home run, that place absolutely exploded in a way that like I can't remember a Maryland crowd doing for anything. You know, I'm trying to think back of like the 2020 men's basketball season when like you had a full house. You know, there were some really nice football moments last year at home. Um, but not in front of like a full boat of people. And I get that it's easier to fill 3000 and 50,000. So, you know, you're, you're talking about two different, two different ideas, but that's what college baseball can bring to the table, especially in a sports calendar where right now we talked about this a little bit before the show, nothing is going on. Like there's the NBA and NHL playoffs, but that's happening at night. So you can watch a college baseball game at one o'clock and like still want to watch those if you're a fan. And if you're a baseball fan, you know, unless you're a super, di- like, unless you're URDT, quite frankly, and you're watching your team every single night, which people do, like, you know, the people that are less into Major League Baseball aren't necessarily like, getting up for, you know, Orioles Cubs tonight. Like, what happened in College Park is way more electric than what's happening at Camden Yards right now. So I hope that, and I think the staff and people are in place to keep this happening. If this happened consistently year to year, like this is a fun thing. Like a super next week would have been insane had that somehow happened if Stanford had lost and we had hosted. It's just a different environment. And we, we, you know, I think maybe people might have listened last week and been like, what are these guys talking about if you've never watched college baseball? 
but it's just a great product in general. And softball is the same way, honestly. Softball is a really fun product and a short product and like in college this time of year. So uh, I hope that it continues to happen. I'm really happy that people got to experience that, that people got to, you know, watch and appreciate so many of the fun guys that were on this Maryland team, Bubba Aline kind of leading the way, but you know, Kevin Keister is a fun player. Matt Shaw is a fun player. Maxwell Costas is a Baltimore guy, you know, hit a big home run against Wake. Um, so, you know, you hope that this continues, but um, kind of shows like people sometimes I think sour on college sports, um, especially at the big time level because of the way things are going in men's college basketball and um, football. But like this is that was what college sports is all about like last night. And it was just so cool. I, I, I was emotional at times watching all of those games. Um, Cause as Bubba said in the press conference last night, you know, there are times at the Bob in the, in the midweek where there's like a hundred people there and to have 3000 people absolutely rocking in there was pretty special sight. So, yeah, let's not forget either. They, they played their balls off on Sunday just to get to that game. I mean, yeah. they really left it all out there. They're dead in the water. Wake Forest hits a home run to make it five to two in the sixth inning or so. And um, things were looking grim and they, they dug deep and they made something happen there. And they came out and grinded out, you know, despite not getting a hit between the like seventh and 11th innings there for a minute, um, got it out another win there just to make it to that game. And um, <clears throat> this is almost alluded to it earlier. Like it's, it's not your ordinary college baseball scenario, which it, it's, it has its pros and cons for Maryland to, to come into that game on Monday, having their, it's their fifth game in three days. Um, they're short on pitching. Any program would be in that scenario. Only the top tier programs are going to have a stable of guys just kind of, you know, in the pipeline and be able to burn those guys on Monday. So and UConn didn't, you know, they had, they were up against it too in terms of pitching. And so there's, it makes it kind of fun, exactly what you said, where a 9-1 lead doesn't sound like it's, you know, in the bag. It's because of the pitching, so it makes for an exciting environment. But also at the same time, it's a little bit of a shame that it comes down to that scenario because both teams, um, you know, I, UConn played a great series. Them winning that game on Saturday is, is really the difference um, to be in the driver's seat there, and you have to give them credit for doing so. But, um, man, like – to, to have Maryland kind of go out because they they're so short on pitching. They got a guy out there, you know, walking five straight hitters in the first inning before that grand slam and, and then having to grind their way out for, to get, you know, 24 outs, I guess is what it ended up being. Um, it's just not an easy thing. And so it's just a shame that to a degree, that was the product that Maryland put out there in the biggest game, you know, in stadium history but it is what it is. And they, they still battled their ass off and it was fun to see. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing effort. Um, as you said, to get there, the Sunday night walk-off was a gutsy, gutsy effort. UConn came back a couple of times to, to nod it up and finally wanted a walk-off guys throwing in spots. They hadn't thrown it all year. Ryan Ramsey comes back and, and, and gives them a few innings. And, and yeah, as you said, you know, and then they could have really punted. I mean, they, they could have punted down 9-1 last night. I mean, you know, you, you have nothing left. You have no pitching. And they just battled. It was, it was a team that, you know, when you think about, like, a Maryland perspective, they kind of epitomize, I think, what Maryland fans love. Like, they really just never quit in any of those games where they were down. 
even when they got, you know, when they, you know, went down Saturday and were down 10 to two, like they still scored three runs <laughs> in the ninth. And, and like, you're just like, Oh, maybe, I mean, maybe this offense is just so electric. Maybe they, so they, the, the way they, the, the persona of the guys and, and the way they, they react to the crowd and just on like a personal level, watch so many alums came back and we're just so proud, like outwardly proud of what they were watching on the field. And this is a program that, and you can go back and listen to our interview with Swope last week, and he kind of talks about it, that has been so in the doldrums at times over the past 50 years, right? That the pride of guys that, you know, played and didn't find this type of success kind of living through. And even the guys that found success in, you know, the mid part of last decade um, is a pretty special thing to see. Um I had a moment, I, you know, people have seen the video of me, I guess, at this point, like running onto the field to capture the walk-off, um, which our social media intern, you know, covered so brilliantly on Sunday. And I like, you know, run out there. And, and for me, this is like super personal. It's the one that worked with them. And, and I go to the huddle and then I turn and there's that area in left field where you have all the people kind of leading over. It's all of our alums. And they're like, yes, Taylor, fuck yes, Taylor. And I'm just like, let's go, let's go. It was just like a very, it was like a Maryland baseball, like family reunion in a certain sense. And I thought that was incredibly cool for the alums and, you know, the coaches and players on the current team to be able to experience that all together. Um, they were winning and losing that regional as a program rather than as a single team. So um, that was pretty cool. And then, you know, congrats to UConn, who it was almost like a showcase a little bit, showcase a little bit for like Northeast quote unquote baseball. I know like Maryland isn't necessarily considered in the Northeast, but in this sport, they are definitely in the Northeast. Um, and those were two really good teams. I mean, UConn was a really good team um, with a lot of really good arms, and uh, they're really, really tough. So um, you want – like they should at some point get a chance to host a regional in stores. I mean, I'm sure that they have a beautiful new park. That would be incredible. Um, it's nice to see that sport kind of like grow out of just like if you're not, you know, LSU, like why are you even kind of existing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Should, so should we Should we talk about it? What the call? I mean, should we talk about it? Oh yeah, 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 sure. I mean, brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I had a, I had a perfect view of the play as it was unfolding, um, based on where I was standing at the top of the bleachers, um, and obviously we've seen it the replay a billion times on Twitter. It was talked about nationally. Held pick central on Barstool, you know, devoted like twenty minutes to talking about it. It's it's bad. I mean, you can make a case, I guess, that like with the runner's lane and everything, that there's there's a version that could be created in one's head where that's the correct call. But it, there's just no planet on which that should be called in that spot, especially given the way that the UConn, UConn tried to like make the play. And it was so clearly just an infield hit. Like it had infield hit written all over it the whole way. Um, so, I mean – the crowd was up the umpire's ass the entire last inning and a half. And uh, I'll admit that that was also kind of fun to be a part of, <laughs> to, to hear the, just the people care that much. Uh, they were giving a, it to them pretty bad. It kind of harkened back to like an old school Maryland basketball crowd in terms exactly. of the interaction with the officials. That's what it reminded me of. I'm sure on TV, it sounded a little bit like a ref you suck, but it was a Jeff you suck because uh, that's what in I was this, say, Jeff, in this Twitter suck. era, the, the umpire's name got out there quick enough where it was everybody in the bleachers seemingly knew his name. 
which is a problem. I mean, I think, I think that says a lot about how bad that was. And him trying to do makeup calls with the hit by pitch and the review, it was a shit show. Um, but I, I will say this, like when the game ended, I felt, I almost felt bad for UConn because they were in an environment where they accomplished something that is not something that's normally accomplished for a team. Like you said, in the Northeast, they've done it before they did it 11 years ago. And I think they've done it a handful of other times too, where they've gone to super regionals, but it was so, it felt it, the, the error in the ballpark was just such one where the, the game was tainted because of the call. Um, and I think there's a reasonable case to make that it was. I just, you know, um, they had them on the ropes. When that play was made before Jeff Head swooped in there and made his call, it felt like we have these guys by the balls. This game's ours. We're going to win this. Like, it's it's inevitable. Like, all the things were unfolding that happened when a team, you know, comes from behind and makes that happen. We had the ball and the lights to start the one inning where that fell through. Um, the right fielder inexplicably just dropping a routine fly ball. Like all the formula was there for a Terps comeback win at home there. And uh, it was just kind of snatched away in that moment. It kind of took the entire energy out of the entire comeback. Obviously took a run off the board and, and out away when outs, you look at the score of these college baseball games, you realize that getting outs, outs are gold. That is the currency at play here, getting outs. And for them to get an out there, um, at the hands of the umpire is is it's it's worth a lot more than it is in a major league baseball game. I'll tell you that much. It's a bad call. Again, I mean it's it's been said, it's been covered. It's it's it was a horrible call. It was it was and again, it would seem pretty pretty universal. You had the you know some people like well technically in NCAA rule book you know page sixty eight article blah 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 this and it's like yeah but. It, it that's not you you don't make that call I, I it's i again horrible call jeff head has has his name in the headlines for all the wrong reasons i mean if you googled his name during the game last night it was like four straight articles just being like from written from lsu written from alabama and it's like here's why jeff head's the worst umpire in college baseball so jeff had more like dickhead if you ask me i think it's one of those situations where like <laughs> oh little little b didn't like the call either <laughs> um, little B is restless right now. Um, it's one of those situations where sometimes you watch a sporting event and you watch games officiated. And I think this happens in every single sport and, and it definitely happens in every single sport and like rules are interpreted. This is going to sound weird because you have rules for a reason. You have the way things should be called for a reason, but in that specific spot, you just got to use like some common sense. And I feel like any reasonable person watching the play is like, Oh, he's got to be safe as opposed to like, Oh, is he like two inches inside the line? Is he somehow impeding blah, 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 blah. And maybe that's a gray area where you have to like call it down the letter of the law because like, that's the rule. So that's how it is. But just like you're watching the play. And I don't even think like if you were a UConn fan, you watched that play and were like, oh, he's definitely out. I'm sure they saw him get called safe initially by the first base umpire who got overruled by the home plate umpire in that situation. I guess because he could see that in the line, theoretically, whatever. I don't think any of them were like, oh, no, he should be out. And so if one fan base, if both fan bases and maybe they're UConn fans that but I don't think so. If both fan bases think the guy should be safe and he's called out, it's like, well, what are we doing? Like, I get the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the umpire, the umpire community, you know, some were like, you know, the rule was interpreted the way it was supposed to be interpreted. 
Um, and Maryland, you know, also could have, we also could have won in a variety of other ways, but you just like watch the game and you're like the human side of you. It's like, just no, just let them, let them play it out. Like if you kind if you kind of made the play to get them out, it would have been an incredible play. And for like Bubba to get down the line and like, you know, beat out it, beat it out for a infield single. Like that's a great play. Like just decided on the field. Like, um, and he ran the straightest line. He ran in the straightest line down that baseline. And maybe UConn challenges that if it's, if, if it's safe and it gets overturned by the command center because the command center upheld it. So maybe the command center would have watched it and said, and made the same interpretation of the rule. I do think the college baseball replay command center has been a little shaky. There was an incredibly Mm -hmm. before this one, which would be ended up being the most controversial call of the day. There's one in the Michigan game. Crazy that it involves two big 10 teams where Michigan was on the end of a call that definitely should not have gotten uphold, but help held by the command center. And it's one of the interesting parts about replay is like, you know, the command center exists. And like, I think there's a concern of them like undermining the guys on the field, but like, if you're going to have the command center and the replays are there, either you've got to have enough cameras to have every single angle. And maybe the command, they would just define the command center as like, okay, if it's a totally obvious botch, this is why we're here to, to make sure there's not obvious botches. But the problem is, is every replay isn't a close, close, close call. There's not that many like super obvious botches, except in the strike zone, which is a joke all across college baseball. I don't think I'm like breaking any news there. Um, which you can't challenge balls and strikes, so it doesn't matter. Can you imagine if you could challenge balls and strikes? They, those games would take seven hours. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. It's interesting. And, and college baseball is better for having replay. Like, fair foul calls, like some calls that are tough that, like, you can't even blame an umpire for. It's like, okay, we can, like, go back and look at this and make sure, like, guys are getting screwed over. But super interesting, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, you just kind of wish that, it got a little more decided on the field there. Um, it, but, hey, you know, it is what it is. Real quick, they were saying, too, on TV, obviously got you guys were at the game. I think they were saying, like, if this happens in the third inning, do they do they go ahead and make that call? Or do they kind of just, you know, swallow it and move on? Because, again, obviously, it's a high-leverage situation. Like you said, I mean, it's in the eighth inning, and, and, and the Terps are in, you know, they're, they're within striking distance. And they were like, you know, is this a call that's being made because it's the the top of the eighth, or is it a call that's just being made, you know, because it's it's the right, it's the technically the right call, and it's the letter of the law and stuff like that. So that that was interesting too. Um, again, yeah, and I mean, I'm with you. It sucks that again. It was a great game and a great you know weekend for Maryland baseball. Will will kind of always be overshadowed by that. Like, well, you know, they got screwed and. You know that, and and obviously, like it, it isn't all on the umps for, you know, the turfs losing. I mean, you give up eleven runs. Exactly, it's you on know, a ton of walks in the first inning at Grandstand. They had yeah, six I mean, runs I mean, on six runs on one hit in the first inning. Yeah, that's that that was. I mean, so, that was like the turfs on um Friday night almost. You know, it's it's tough it's tough to win like that. But yeah, it it, it sucks because again the the like what if is always going to be you know what if they keep the if they let the run score. And and you know, put Bubba at first. I mean, the way the Terps are swinging the bat, that that game may have ended fourteen to ten Terps. Yeah, so a fun weekend in College Park certainly created a lot of national headlines last night with the with the call and uh, 
hopefully that happens year after year. And God knows whether I'm working at Maryland or I'm not, or I'm wherever I am, I'm coming back in for those games, wherever the hell I am in the world, because that, that was a very cool environment. I think you guys would agree with me. Let's move on to the other baseball team that we cover on this podcast. They've become the secondary baseball team for the last two weeks, but the Baltimore Orioles, um, we came on last week. We thought, I think we were out of the woods a little bit on the Grayson Rodriguez injury news. And now, um, now more has come to light. RDT, where's your state of mind right now on that? Yeah. So again, it was kind of that guy. I can't, I can't remember his name, Andy Constis or something like that for the sun. Oh, Andy Costco used to cover Maryland baseball. Oh, there you together. go. Yep. He, he was pretty adamant where he said, you know, source close to me tells me it's a cramp. You know, this is, a, that's all it is, is a back cramp. And then that's, and then, you know, it turned into the lat strain, you know, the day later and, and it went from, Oh, you know, Grayson is going to miss. It, it sounded like a lie. As it said, like he's going to miss. He didn't put a timetable on it, but he said it's going to be a while. And then Sunday came out that like, he's going to be out till maybe September, maybe the rest of the year. Um, where at this point, it's like, if he's going to be hurt that long, there's really no reason to bring him back this year. Like there's no reason to pitch him in September. I think you give him a full, you know, rehab, let him rehab a full off season. And then, Boom, he, he has a healthy spring training. That's your that's your opening day starter next year. I think that's what it is. Um, again, what, what is if, if Grayson – obviously, selfishly, I do want to see him pitch. I want to see him, you know, absolutely shove for the Orioles. But what is that going to do? 60, 69 wins over 66? You know, something like that. Um, it does stink because it seems like he was very, very close two coming up. And I know, again, we talked about that late last week, like this Cubs series would have been perfect for him to, to make his debut. Um, now it sounds like he's going to go to Sarasota for a couple of weeks, do a rehab program. Um, he said he felt good. I did talk to him. I think it was Friday. And he, he kept mentioning, like he kept hammering home. It's going to be sooner rather than later. Like it, it's, this thing is, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, so again, I loved hearing that. And again, I, I think, you know, his mindset's in the right place. Obviously, without it being, you know, a lat strain, it's not an elbow, it's not a forearm, it's not a shoulder, it's not a, you know, tendonitis, it's not something like that that worries you. This is just a big fatty, you know, slab of muscle in your back that, you know, it seems like it was just a minor strain and, and you know, it's they, they put a grade two strain on it. So, I don't know, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I, know, I mean, there were people who were flipping out blaming Elias. This doesn't happen if he's up in Baltimore. And it's like, well, that's just a dumb thing to say, because this could have happened when he was bending over to get something, you know, it, it, saying that blaming Elias in the Orioles front office for this is pretty asinine. If you ask me um, again, I, I was like, you know, Hey, how about you just kind of move past it and focus on the team. That's, you know, having a little bit of fun right now, even though they're nine games under 500. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's another scenario that just sucks, but, like, I've maintained throughout the rebuild and everything. It's like, how much can you get worked up about something when it's just not – it's just not the time? It's not go time yet. We're not pressing the buttons. We're not flipping all the switches yet. Um, it's a step back, but, you know, at the end of the day, we want him healthy for – I think 2023 might be the first year we start to really kind of poke our heads out there and – you know, push the limits on 500 or more. So what, you know, that should be the ultimate mission. I know we want to build excitement. We want to see him out there, um, but it is what it is. 
So he's just got to get healthy and get right. I, I also offered him, I told him that anytime since he'll have time on his hands now, if he wants to come on, I said, we'll always have an extra mic for him. So that offer was thrown out. Yeah. I hope that, you know what I hope that they do. I thought that, um, you know, yeah, obviously if he doesn't play, he, 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 um, loses a little bit in the public eye. They should do what they did with means with him. They should put him in the booth for a couple innings of mass. And I think that would be really, really cool. I don't know why they would be great at it. Him and Ben McDonald up there. Those two accents. I think that would be really fun. I think he'd be really good at it. I think it would endear him to the crowd uh, or endear him to the, to the fan base. Um, Cause I, you know, every time he's been on here, I, I just think he, he speaks a ton of passion about being at the place and being all in and, and has kind of a unique perspective on the organization, especially if the Orioles get the dog, excuse me, oh my gosh, especially oh my if the gosh. Orioles get the dog, this God, it's been a long, been a long few days, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, if you know you, you, the Orioles have kind of you know done okay, but if if it kind of careens down a little bit, you know, kind of what we've done with those guys coming on and talking about you know what's going on in the farm system and the closest of those guys, I think that would translate really well, especially on a live broadcast where baseball, you got to tell those stories over a couple of innings. And, you know, I think Ben McDonald and Kevin Brown and Grayson Rodriguez would just be like a fun broadcast. Hey, you have him with Jim Palmer too. And you're just like talking, pitching with, with Jim Palmer, especially for like the older fans, you know, the young buck coming up talking to the hall of famer. Like that would be good content in my opinion. And I hope that they do stuff like that. I hope that, I hope that he, you know, they, they put him on maybe once and it's like, Hey, you know, Grayson's coming on between innings four and seven and where, you know, you have him in the booth and, and, and do that type of stuff. I think that'd be a cool opportunity. You know, he's probably going to rehab around here anyway um, with, with the Orioles, you would think, you know, I don't think they're sending him. Maybe they would send him to Florida or something, but you that's, would think they want, I think he went back to like, Florida yesterday. Yeah. So maybe you bring him back up, but you know, maybe he's got a, he's got a, he'll probably sure he'll come up here at some point back up here and, check in or whatever and, and, and get them on. I would love to see that. I think that would be really, really cool. Um, Cause I, the, the worst part for me, other than the obviously job, the job performance, the, uh, the performance of the field is I just think when this guy comes up, I think he's going to be like really well liked by the fans. And it's just going to give a little bit hope just from like a personality perspective. Um, like people love Adley, but he's obviously a little bit more of a reserved dude and kind of does his thing. You know, Grayson, I think, is a guy that's going to, like, win some press conferences and win some media availabilities and be a guy that, you know, is a little – just a little bit more of a, of a talker. His, deme- and, his demeanor is awesome on the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you said, yeah. So I, I hope that – I hope that they're able to exploit that in a few ways while he's on the shelf and, and keep him in guys in, – in fans' minds and, and kind of move forward. Um, because, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be something that derails him. I think he's going to obviously come back. And if he he's out the whole year, you know, he'll he'll be ready to go for next year. And I think, as you know, he'll be on the major league roster and he'll be ready to roll and ready to roll, ready to roll um, <laughs> and, and be really, really good. Um, so I, I hope they do stuff. But, yeah, bump, just bump, bump for the guy. I, I think, you know, I think he was on the verge of being called up. As you said, you know, you kind of thought it was imminent RDT. I would agree with you. Um, and we, we may get robbed of that this year, but, uh, you know, for an Orioles team that was, it's, you know, 24 and 33, um, you know, but, you know, playing some okay baseball times, it would have been nice to add them to that mix and, and try to keep them, you know, within that, like maybe get them up to like within that five or six games of 500 type of level, you know, as opposed to maybe going the other way, if you don't have them, um, obviously, Got a, the Orioles get a nine three dub tonight. So back to you know just got back to twenty, back to 
less than 10 games under 500. So, um, yeah. I, I'm kicking myself for not having used the ready-to-roll, ready-to-roll clip for the Maryland bull, bullpen yesterday. Hmm. I mean, that would have been perfect. It really would have been. They gave yeah, – they gave it their all. They gave it their all. Talk about a lot of guys that threw a lot of pitches. Uh, as I said, Orioles won tonight. It just – a lot of bombs. Five home runs. Austin Ace in the second deck, five home runs in the game. Rainy night at the yard. Team just kind of hovering right now. <laughs> they this they is, play. This is kind of this is the last, you know, I'll give the last two series after this Cubs series. You know, they lose two consecutive series and then now have one against the Cubs. So, you know, kind of trending in the wrong direction, but it's like win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, loss, win. Just kind of boop, 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 back and forth. Just in this kind of same spot. And, you know, I mean, they play well against better teams. You know, they won that three out of five against the Red Sox. They put, they played decent against the Yankees this year, but you know, the good teams, it seems like they get up for, and then these home series against the Mariners and the, the guardians, where I think we said last week, like, this is where you should win two out of three, two out of three. And that's when you, you know, kind of make up those games. And it's like, they just, they, they had a chance to win both series and they just didn't, it wasn't due to bad baseball, like the game on Sunday. I think they made one bad pitch, got hit for a home run. That's it. You know, that's pretty much what, what cost them. But yeah, you know, again, you would like to see some more, um, um, just like to see them play better, better baseball, you know, in a row. And I can't, can't, can't think of the word. Um, but you know, again, I, I think you're seeing a lot of good stuff, um, from them so far. The bullpen is still absolutely nails. So it doesn't matter who they're facing their, their nails. Yeah, they've been very, very good. Um, also, that's, the, the ball is flying in that ballpark now. That wall is no problem anymore. <laughs> there, yeah, ball's flying. Wall stinks. Wall, Baltimore. They're calling wall it. Wall stinks. Baltimore. What took wow. so long for? I don't know. I don't know what took so long. Baltimore. I've seen the Great Wall of Baltimore. You know, Baltimore seems like the perfect one though. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Um, not a lot of Ravens news. I was just going to mention that, that Kyle Hamilton signed today and that's really all that's going on. <laughs> it's amazingly, this is, I guess now, you know, they say the NFL is a 365 day a year league. I would say this is probably, this is kind of the doldrums of your NFL office. OTAs right? finished last week, late last week. And now we're, now we're in the throes of Deshaun Watson season. That's really where we're at. Yeah. Tough place yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. That was not the greatest article in the New York Times today about Mr. Watson. He's uh he doesn't exactly seem like the greatest of guys. Obviously, that's the pretty easy statement to say, but this just continues to come back up. And uh, I'd be interested to see how the NFL handles that, continues to handle that. Did you has uh, uh has Dabo made comment? No, he made a go. Oh, I think he made a comment. I think he oh, made like a originally how he's like a great originally guy. Originally, about a great guy. I think he defended him, but I haven't heard from him in a while. <sighs> Let me tell you what, he's going to be back doing media in about a month and a half. That'll be interesting. Yeah. He's definitely not going to stick in his foot in his mouth about that. No chance. <laughs> Dabo? No, he would never. He doesn't do that. No, no. Um, one Ravens thing. Did you see Marlon Humphrey is suing EA Sports? I did see that. That tweet was fantastic. That was was very funny. Slanderous by EA Sports. Well, he's on fire on Twitter right now. He's very funny. 
he he said he held back on some stuff. He was like, I want to tweet something, but I know y'all are gonna rip it apart, so I won't. And people are like, oh look, you're you're learning. Like <laughs> finally, someone said maybe if you would have done this about Chick Fil A, you wouldn't be hated online. <laughs> There's some good stuff. Funny stuff. Absolutely, he's absolutely thriving right now. Um, before we get to the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill, um, you know, I, I I got some tweets about this. Um, so I feel like it has to be addressed in this podcast after some of my previous comments about this one specific, uh, baseball player. So the angels, the angels fired Joe Madden, um, today, uh, they've lost 12 in a row. So I, I I don't know if it was what three or four weeks ago, you guys asked me, um, if I was worried and I, and I didn't (laughs) like that phrasing because like, I'm not worrying about this. I would like the angels to be good. I think that, you know, the player in question, Mr. Trout making the playoffs. I think I've been pretty firm on the fact that like, I would like that to be a thing that happens to watch theoretically the best player in baseball play on the biggest stage. I think that's what we all want to see. I think you guys would agree with that as baseball fans, as sports fans. um, They've now lost 12 in a row. Um, They're 27 and 29 and they fired their manager. Um, less than uh, 60 games into the season, a manager that I would say what Joe Madden is one of the best 10 managers of the last 25 years. Would you guys say he's, he's a hall of fame manager? Yeah. I would think yeah. he did yeah, the cups thing. That, and that's that's know, a big feather in the cap know, reversed one of the, you know, great curses in the history of sports, the, the, the Cubs situation. Um, kind of the forefront of like the analytical. Sure. Yeah. And, forefront you know. of a lot of things. No, 100%. Um, actually, you know, as a, as a coach for the angels, won a world series in 2002. So he's also has the, you know, he's been on angels teams that have actually accomplished something. Um, and With actual good I, outfielders I, like Garrett Anderson, the Garrett Anderson and, and Darren Erste. what I'm trying to fit former Nebraska coach. What I'm trying to figure out is at this point, like, what do we even do with this situation? Because Mike Trout, and I, and I, I, this is, I, I continue to say this. Like, I, I want this guy to like be in the playoffs. I don't even know what the angels are doing. I don't know what he's doing. Like, what are we doing with this team? Like, it's one of the more, because people don't really care about baseball in a lot of stuff like super localized. Like if this was the NFL and this he was like a starting quarterback that was like considered good and couldn't win, this would lead first take every single day. Mm-hmm. Like Lamar wins and he leads first take every single day, and he makes the playoffs and he leads first take every single day. Like this guy is five games under five hundred every single year, and he's the best player in the sport. And just everyone's like, oh, it's baseball. You can't win as an individual. Like some guys win and some guys can't win, and it's not like the Angels aren't spending money. And trading for guys and trying to win. They have Shohei Otani on their team. They have Anthony Rendon on their team. I just don't even know what to say anymore. I really don't. I really don't. I really don't. I, this guy needs to demand a trade. He's got to get out of there. If he continues to stay and play there, like, what are we, what is, what, are, like, do, like, I don't know. He He's the one that I would take Aaron Judge. Signed the big deal there. You know, he, he signed it. But uh, you said it. I mean, you talked about him. The other big thing is, what do they do with Otani? He's a free agent after 2023. He's going to be playing for his fifth manager next year. It's in, He's not coming I, back. It's one of the great organizational malpractices, maybe in the history of sports, what's going on in Anaheim. 
because I'm not blaming it all on Trout. I mean, they've done a horrible job as an organization. I just find it amazing that he continues to sit there and play there. Like I mean, if I was him, I would have walked into the general manager. Maybe he doesn't want to rock the boat. You know, he seems like a good guy too. Like this is like I don't even want to. He's not trying to assassinate the guy's character. He seems like a really good dude for the most part. Well, here you um, go. Phil Nevin named interim manager. Phil Nevin's son, Tyler Nevin, plays on the Orioles. How bad do you want your son on the team? Mm. You want to make a one for one and go straight up. That's the thing. I would take him. Trade Mike Trout to Baltimore. <laughs> you, would you would take Mike Trout? Wow, no way. That's well, wild. I mean, I think some people would put I'll it in question after some, of the thi- after some of the things that I've said on here. I'd buy his jersey. I would be in the front row behind home plate in a Mike Trout jersey if he got traded to Baltimore. No way. But then if, the, then if the Orioles were 50 games under 500 at the end of the year, I would burn it. Yeah, I mean, that, that conversation is going to have to – come up and again if it, it would probably be different if he was a cub or a dodger or you know a red Sox, something like yeah, that what's like, clear oh, is make, no one gives dog. a flying anything about the los angeles angels of anaheim what an irrelevant franchise they no. they apparently are we well, have the best also, player in the sport they just uh debuted their city connect jerseys that are an honor to the beach and surfing because when i think of the los angeles and anaheim i think of the beach and surfing yeah, Anaheim specifically. Yeah, right? Anaheim's like, <laughs> like off the beach, though. Yeah, yeah correct. Like I exactly. said, inland. It's not. But I don't like think of surfing. Exactly. Or... You don't think of it because it's freaking Anaheim. They're not the. They're not the. Um... They're not the Manhattan Beach Angels. Yeah. yeah. Muscle Beach or, or whatever. I don't know. So it, I mean, problem. It, 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 it's a problem. People. Somebody tweeted at me. I. I sorry, I missed. I'm not looking at my Twitter. They tweeted like that. He was like 0 for 22. And we're like. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm truly not rooting for this guy to fail. Like, I, I appreciate that I'm now somehow associated with Mike Trout enough with listeners of the show that I now have to comment on every time. But I will comment every time Mike, something happens with Mike Trout. And this is just like, I just I just don't get what's happening. I don't get how this team can't win with this guy. I don't I don't get it. I know it's baseball. And all the baseball freaking analytic people are going to come to come at me because, you know, they're all because I'm always in those discussions. They're gonna say like, "Oh, you can't win baseball by yourself. You gotta have a good team." Well, freaking find another team to play for. I just want this guy to be in the in a big spot. I want to see how he performs. This is this is what separates the greats from the legends. Like what you do in the big spots. Ugh, I'm trying to think of a comparable guy in another sport. Honestly, this he's way better than this guy. Like Stafford was a decent comparison, but now that guy's mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl. He's also not yeah. Mike Trout. He's you know he's gonna be a Hall of Famer, but. Um, yeah, comparison is tough. Like Marino, but Marino made the Super Bowl. I was thinking of like Dame Lillard in the NBA, but like even they were like winning playoffs. Like Tracy McGrady is maybe a decent comparison, but he made the playoffs. This guy yeah. doesn't even make the playoffs. Oh, they added a wild card spot again this year. They keep adding. They're, it's like they're trying they're to get trying. it in. They keep adding playoff spots. They keep trying to get this. I mean, the Angels didn't even have to be that good to make the playoffs. You don't have to be like an unbelievable team to make the playoffs in Major League Baseball anymore. There's like 100 spots. And now and I'm sure they're going to continue to make pro- more TV money. I'm sure eventually every single team is going to make the playoffs. Sammy Sosa, God. maybe. Yeah, but Sammy. I they mean, have three more wins than the Orioles. And they also lost the series at home to the Orioles. I mean, I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. 12 in a row they've lost. 12 in a row. 
The next worst losing streak in Major League Baseball is seven by the A's, and they're terrible too. They're terrible. They're 20 wins. 20 wins. I wonder if Buster thinks the Angels are bad for baseball. That's another thing. Uh, yeah. like we, yeah, spending a billion dollars. And where all are the where are the national writers on this? I really, I, it's like a legitimate question. Like the maybe I'm missed. Maybe these articles have happened at some point, and nope. I'm just not remembering. Like nope. where is the what is going on in Anaheim with these two transcendent players? And Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are a hundred percent transcendent talents, and they are both wasting away on a team that is under five hundred. It's amazing nobody talks about it. Guess guess who I'm watching get get pulled off the field right now due to an injury? Who? Shohei Otani. Seven. Mike Trout. Oh no! I cursed him. Now I feel bad. <laughs> no, I mean he looks fine. Like he's not getting stretched oh. off. They were talking about oh, okay. second base. This is just being a beta. Yeah, I don't know. I think he said like he, he oh, they're beating the Red Sox tonight, though. Go Let's to. see how he's doing. He was on. He's base. got a home run. Got two hits. So. He's got two hits. Got two hits. Oh, he's got a home run. Oh yeah, he's got a home run. I was gonna say. I what know a that team was... this is. What a team this is, by the way. Does Rendon is Rendon hurt? Yeah, I think he got hurt again. So again, another God, great contract there. What a bad there. signing. He's throw that up the there with the CJ Wilson and Josh Hamilton and Pujols and all those great contracts. They just yeah, they just giving up. I mean, that's what and that's the whole thing. Like I, I, you know, this is a little bit like I like to just kind of go after Mike Trout, but I mean the organization. I mean everyone in that organization deserves to be fired. Like what Pe- are they doing? People forget that they just don't have pitchers. And in 2020, they draft. They had 20 draft picks, or maybe 2021. They drafted 20 pitchers. Like that, that's almost like making a mockery of it in itself. Like imagine if the Orioles did that. Buster Olney would have a conniption. He would have an aneurysm if the Orioles had drafted 20 straight pitchers just to do it, just to draft them. So, no, you're right. I mean, there, it's not talked about, but it definitely should be because. Yeah. So I needed to get that out. Obviously, you know, you know who he is? You know who he is? He's Giancarlo when he was on the Marlins. Yeah, but Giancarlo that's a, went to... yeah, three, four years. Yeah. Yeah, Giancarlo was like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Send me to the Bronx Bombers. Yeah. I'm going to try to win something. Like, And everyone hated him for it. It's like, oh, you're – no one can win because I'm sure if Trout, like, demanded a trade with a no-trade clause that just got him to, like, the Yankees, everyone would be like, what a front runner. Mm-hmm. But, like, go be a front – go for – like, I know Durant get, got a lot of stick for going to the Warriors, but it, Durant was like, let me go to the place where I got the best chance to win a title. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really get that mad about that. I know everyone gets upset. It's like, oh, go win it by yourself. Like, go find a place to win. Go win. Well, A-Rod only stuck for three years in Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, how Like how can he, like, go? Like, I just – the guy that could easily be like, I'm done here. You guys are sending me out of here. I mean, is he's he, done it. If Griffey the organization – had, if he said that – Griffey, Griffey was – Griffey was good with the Mar- – they were good. Yeah. Like he was on good teams. He's on, he was on a couple teams. that probably going to win the world series. If yeah. I don't know. A different I, way. I, I got no comparison. That's tough. Just like, why would you, well, that was bizarre. <laughs> someone have someone blow up at their house. That was definitely a car accident. Just happened outside. <laughs> wow. There's no wow. way it wasn't. Can we get a live report? Live reporting. Yeah. Banks Buster's on, on the case. Little man on the street. Go get him. Buster. I don't know. Just stay below the window. Wow, that was what that did sound like a car crash. That's actually kind of interesting. I thought it someone sounded like a, a large vehicle crashing into a parked vehicle. To be honest. Mm. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's that's our Mike Trout segment. I, if this felt like the time to talk about it, we'll we'll stay tuned to this space for continued updates about Mike Trout. Last week and, and that accident. Yeah. yeah. 
Last week at this time, we had two uh, MLB managers named Joe. Now we have none. So thanks. Wow. Wow. Metrics for you. It's tremendous. The the X-22 podcast is out of the day right there. Those are the analytics you don't get other places. Yeah. So if RDT may be writing a column about if Mike Trout is bad for the Angels or if the Angels are bad for Mike Trout, who's worse? Just be on the lookout for that. I'm like watching him limp. I'm watching him wince. Oh, no. around first. He pulled his hammy or something. It. He did something. He's winning. Oh, jeez. Oh, he pulls up. Yeah. Oh, there it is. He pulls oh, up before no. he gets the first. And now I feel like a jerk. I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And maybe he's faking an injury to get himself traded. I would respect that. God is this team God is this team bad. So bad. Shout out to Joe Madden. He'll end up somewhere probably. He could be a All first right. base coach in Baltimore. I'll take him. Sure, bring him over. Starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Uh the Fed Thrill Sunnies necessary. The weather was beautiful, as you said, in College Park in Baltimore all weekend long. And we talked about that in relation to Maryland baseball, but it was not only beautiful, it was sunny. And to block out that sun, throw on your Fed Thrill sunglasses. 20% off the promo code exit 52. You can get all of the different styles, some tremendous stuff that fed thrill is doing. And they seem to only, you know, we, we, we like to try to say we're gone on a little bit of an upward trajectory. Fed thrill continues to seem like they're on an upward trajectory. So shout out to those guys. Um, and gals who work over there. Um, you can get the Fulton's. I'm just looking at all the styles right now. I need to have the, the style, the Fulton's, the Mavericks, the Porters and the monuments. I need to have those more, Memorize so I can just do that without having to go to the website. Um, custom wedding packages, apparently, yeah. they're doing it all. That's a big thing 20, mm-hmm. 20% off promo code X52. All right, in honor, I guess, of the Maryland baseball um, umpiring situation on Monday, we are going to do biggest sports screw jobs or biggest just screw jobs. I, I guess I don't need to need to pigeonhole mm. just to sports. We, we don't just, mm. we, don't, we don't just stick to sports on this podcast. <laughs> um, so uh, this can, this can be anything. Uh, Banks, you have the first pick. Uh, RDT, you have the second pick. I am a Mason. I have the third pick. <laughs> a lot of free ads for the Masons on this podcast for me so far. Banks. Your first overall pick in this biggest screw job draft. Considering this is a Baltimore podcast, this is a pretty easy one. I'm taking Jeffrey Mayer. Uh, Derek Jeter doesn't even have a fucking career. If that, that whole thing doesn't go down, he's probably Chris Woodward or some shit like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just an easy one. It changes the traje- trajectory of a series and, and the trajectory of two franchises completely. I'm probably a different person. If that doesn't go down, like my entire life has changed. So fuck it. Screw job. Rich Garcia. Unbelievable. Yeah. Fuck off, Richie. And the worst is mayor didn't even catch the ball. He didn't even get it. No. Little twerp. Um, I was somehow hoping that I was hoping that there would be like some big golf one that you were taking number one. So I could take that. Mm. Um, Golf, there is no screw jobs because they follow their own. They police themselves. Do I leave this one for Taylor? They police themselves. <laughs> what a sport. Yep. 
<laughs> totally normal. Yeah. Um, do I want to leave this for Taylor or not? No, I'll take it. I'll go to the Montreal screw job. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Wow. Come on. I do the wrestling around here. That's why I was debating. You I stink. didn't see any reaction, and I was like, all right. Yes, I'll take it. I'm an HBK guy. Wow. I had to get a play so to my you're, wedding. You're on the you're on you're on the Brett screwed Brett side of that side of that one. Oh my god. I mean, I knew every word of that of his theme song, his his entrance song by the time I was like four. You consider yourself a sexy boy. I am a sexy boy. I'm not your boy <laughs> toy. Again, I tried to get a plate at the wedding. Lauren said hard no. And I was like, well, that's not very fun. We need to cut that as like when we when we eventually get a soundboard on this show, that is gonna be something that we cut. We should we need to we need to first of all we starting need five on the show. Of- of. We need a soundboard on the show that we can we can put drops into, and that I'm a sexy boy. A sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. I would play all the time. Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, I uh, yeah. That's uh, that song. Um, that's why I'm an HBK guy. Um, but yeah, Brett screwed Brett. Sharpshooter finishing move. Brett didn't uh, commit. Sorry the um, the birth of the modern Mr. McMahon character. Um, which becomes one of the defining wrestling characters of the last. Yeah, I mean that was that was Vince being Vince. What thirty? Twenty five years. years. Crazy. Had to take. No, I mean that's a good. This is a good pick. I mean, I think it's like the most notable use of Screwjob. If any... you Google Screwjob, it is the only thing that comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Wow, I really thought that was going to get to me. Um, <laughs> Were you going to take it first, first round? Yeah, because I think it's the defining screw job. Okay. And that that's why. I know you guys aren't wrestling guys, so I thought maybe I could get it later. I also knew RDT's board was super short, so I figured this had to be on it. Just because when you search screw job, this is like the first thing that comes up and there's 60 articles about it. So I figured he was like gonna take it just as a pick. So I was just hoping thing he had something in the tank for the first pick that had anything to do with him. But apparently, oh, I didn't know you're a big HBK guy also. So that's a that's fair. Um, I am gonna. T- <laughs> I, tough. I it's love tough. that I. Fi- no, no, no. I love that I fakely. I actually wrote Biden over Trump on my board, <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't believe that at all. So please don't take that out of context. It just was funny when I was thinking of the stop this deal thing. <laughs> and if people believe that that listen to the show, I mean, I I, I guess to each their own, but whatever. Um. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Just go with that one. Just run with that. No, 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 no. I, I can't. I cannot be on a recorded a recorded show that could be. I mean, I don't know what my future plans are. I cannot be fakely defending the five. The Trump got the election stolen. People. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I'm willing to say a lot of things on this show. I'm not willing to put my future in jeopardy with that. What about Bush Gore? Oh yeah. See, I don't think that was a screw job either. I think the Bush fairly won. I think the Bush fairly won. I think the Bush fairly won. <laughs> Bush versus Gore. No, I I mean, uh, I do like that as a, a famous screw job, though. I'm taking Bush versus Gore. Let's talk a little wow. Bush versus Gore. I'll Thank take that. God. I'll take that. I'll take that. Really one of the great, one of the biggest stories of the last, like, 30 years. Made for some great skits on SNL, too. Incredible. Incredible. The Hanging Chad. I mean, if you... So, okay, this is going to... I'm going to just absolutely out myself as an absolute um, 
and you can consider me a nerd for this. I am like very, very fond of going on YouTube and watching like old news coverage of events. I don't know if either of you guys do that. I do that. And there's like all of these like long, like seven hour videos of like, this is why I don't watch the wire seven hour videos of like the NBC's like entire coverage of like the 2000 election night, which I just find incredibly fascinating. And, um, all of the things that play in that scenario are incredible. First of all, like obviously Jeb Bush is the governor of Florida where this is all happening. The networks initially call it for Gore. They pull it back. They call it for Bush. They pull it back. <laughs> um, you have that you have Gore who is running on like in a, like humming economy humming economy, but he's got Clinton association. So we can't use Clinton in the election because of all the Monica Lewinsky stuff. You have Bush, who is a part of this like political dynasty, whose father lost to Clinton and Gore in 92. The storylines are just endless. And that's just like, I don't need to, we could go, I could go on forever about it. It's an amazing, amazing piece of American history. The, 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 the like videos of them literally holding up the ballots and like looking at the chat, like the hanging chads were like, that was straight out of like SNL where you're like, how is this real life? Like they're trying to determine if it was punched or not. That was like one of the first, like, I mean, I remember obviously events before that, but I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is insane. Like this is, this is crazy. What we're watching. Insane. Bush first score, first, first score screw job, depending on what political affiliation you're on. All right. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, that I think is just going to start me out to just have a weird draft where I don't really care about like what you guys are going to take. I'm taking the bachelor season 22 Becca Kufrin getting screwed over by Ari Lyon Dyke jr. In one of the great hours of reality television I've ever watched in my entire life. Ari proposes to Becca, but is still in love with Lauren. <sighs> no, then He's like living with Becca in like secret because they're not allowed, like allowed to reveal what happened on the show. And there's this incredible hour where he like realizes that he's like still communicating with Lauren and breaks up with her in one of the most awkward th- situations I've ever seen. And now he's married to Lauren. And they have three kids. Becca got screwed, oh. screwed, literally and figuratively potentially. Pour some I mean, out for Becca. Mm. Sorry. Pour some out for Becca. Just brutal. Just brutal. It's did just she get like a, did she get a bachelorette spinoff or something? She did. She went yeah, on the bachelorette. Yeah. She went on the bachelorette um, she and she proposed to freaking. Oh, my God. What is that? Jabroni's name. Uh, Garrett, you're Pugulin or something. She proposed uh, they, to him. No, he proposed to her. Oh, I was like, wait, he chose her. I don't know. I don't remember. Um. Then they got. Then they broke up. He's like a lunatic, and then he just got engaged to um to Thomas Jacobs on from Bachelor in Paradise. So she's got. She's been engaged three times via this franchise. It's kind of amazing. This, this world, Becca, who's who's um who's uh tagline was let's do the damn thing. Let's do the damn thing. So I'm taking Ari and Becca. That immediately came to my mind, and I was like, I'm taking this at some point. But now I'm taking it high because fuck it, RDT. Um, I'm probably taking this from Banks. Um, game five, CC Nate hit the foul pole. I always got screwed. He hit the foul pole. Hit it. It was literally video. You can see it. He hit it. Mm-hmm. They called it a foul ball. Hit the fair pole. So 
Screwed. Screwed. Sucked the soul right out of the uh, the the Orioles, and and obviously ended ended their season. What an inning later? That was the eighth inning. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It was a tight game. But I think the objective was to get CC Sabathia out of the game, and I don't know. It just didn't happen. I no. don't know. Nope. So I've flushed that one away. That's a game that I have not gone back and like watched high. Like I'll do that on some other games. I don't think I've ever gone back and watched highlights of like that game. Maybe I have. I don't know. Really, any of the games in that series was a tough one. Yeah, fun one, but tough because we weren't supposed to be there. But yeah, it sucks when it turned out like that. Now it's you. Thanks. I will be taking the tuck rule. I'm just doubling up here to start things off with two, two iconic sports figures whose careers were launched in fraudulence. Who knows what's up with the Raiders in that era if they if they advance in that game too? Um, Tuck rule, 2001. I don't, I don't know if they, it might be old enough news where like some of our listeners might not really know it that well. I mean, Tom Brady was in there. He was at a point where if they lose that game, Drew Bledsoe is probably the starter week one the next year, or at least there's a feisty camp competition, and who knows who gets a, the, the leg up there. Um, so, yeah, it changed the trajectory of, uh, of the entire NFL, to say the least. The, the 30 for 30 they did on that a couple months ago was really, really good. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw it. I really enjoyed it. Where it was just them two sitting on the couch watching it, like talking about it, going over it. And I think Woodson had some stuff like that where he was like, we were going to win that Super Bowl. We were going to win the next one. We were going to win the next one, you know, and, and was talking about kind of the, the what ifs. So. Well, they made the next one. They laid an egg. So that's true. But, you know, you got to think Gruden probably doesn't leave if, if he has that one and then loses the next one. Maybe, maybe not, but perhaps. Who's to say? You got another. I will be taking, because I know it won't get back to me, I'm taking Lonnie Baxter getting fouled out of the Final Four in 2001. Oh, two back-to-back 2001 picks here. Um, Absolute phantom call. He's just boxing Carlos Boozer out. They both have four fouls. I don't know if the referee blew the whistle and then realized that Boozer had four fouls and he was just like, oh, oh, no, I can't foul him out. I'm just going to call it on the other guy without realizing that Baxter also had four fouls. But it was also a screw job because Baxter was in foul trouble the majority of the game, and Maryland had built such a commanding lead, and the comeback was rooted partially in the fact that the Maryland just wasn't at their best uh, for a lot of the second half there because they had to manage Lonnie Baxter in foul trouble. So the foul happened just inside three minutes with Maryland down five. The comeback had already occurred. They are down five with the ball, so it took the ball out of their hands, fouled out their best player instead of the other – I mean, maybe not their best player, but one of their best, um, their best big man. They had Terrence Morris that year, I guess. Um, and it also kept Boozer in the game. Like the call, if if anybody, it was a foul on Boozer. Shouldn't have been a foul on anybody, but Boozer would have been fouled out and changed the complexion of the game completely. So it's just another fraudulent title for Duke. I couldn't agree more with that. I have nothing to add. Couldn't agree more. more. It's Won't a joke. argument for me. Nope. All right. And it's back to me now, correct? Freaking Duke. 
Um, I'm going to go the George Brett Pintar. I think he got screwed on that. Again, maybe maybe the right the right call, the letter of the law. You don't call someone out for Pintar. You, you, Didn't you they ultimately make that right, though? I know they had the friend. I think they finished and made up the game. But I think the game was under out. protest, and I think they overturned it, and they went back and counted the home run. Did they? I think they did. Uh, let me see. Maybe they did. I could I could be wrong, but I'm also picking it just because of the entire everything that happened around it. It's iconic. Um, blah blah blah. This incident is noteworthy for the complete meltdown by George Brett, just as much for the actual call. Um, arguably playing the best baseball his Hall of Fame career, stepped up, blah blah blah. In the end, the game was played under protest. The Royals won the protest, and about a month later, the game is, is replayed from the top of the ninth with the Royals winning five to four. Mm. But again, I'm uh, I'm not even really picking it on the the rule and all that. I'm just picking it basically for the meltdown, and and for also the the fantastic old school barstool video that they did. Yeah, that that's an all time. That's such a funny video. With him with barbecue sauce all over his hands, typing on the keyboard. Um, just a just a very funny clip. One of the many funny George Brett clips. If you don't know what we're talking, the other George Brett clips we're talking about, please go. Yeah, go on please a George Brett YouTube dive. It's <laughs> called Casino. How old is George Brett? It's got to be sixties, sixty-five, I'd guess. Yeah. I'm I'm diving in for my next two picks. I'm diving into some international sports. Okay, oh, here we go. Uh, I know. Yeah, I'm diving know. into some international sports. 1972 Munich Olympics. <laughs> Final three seconds of the game played, including Maryland's Tom McMillan on the floor. Soviets win in absolute controversial fashion. Final this could have gone one one. This really could have. It really could have. It's one of the most. If you don't know anything about it, I'm not gonna like go into too much detail because we're you know we're, we're you know I don't need to talk for seven minutes. But essentially, both teams won the first eight games of the tournament. You know, the U.S. is obviously undefeated in Olympic play at this point. The 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 you know the kings of basketball. Um, and the final three seconds of the game were played three times until the Soviets won 51-50. Um, by the way, we're, a, we're an absolute barn burner of a game, 51-50. to 50. Um, Just a crazy, crazy situation. Um, so I'm taking that. So go, go look that up for you youngins that don't, that don't know that one because uh, I was definitely alive in 1972 watching it. Um, Olympic gold medal basketball game. I should have typed this as I was talking. And then I'm taking one that might not be known as much in the Olympics by as many people, but is a big boxing one. 1988 Seoul Olympics, Roy Jones Jr., which is, I think, a name people know if you follow boxing or or very average rap music. Um, lost in a in <laughs> lost after landing 86 punches to South Korea's Park Si-hoon's 32 punches. Park apologized to Jones about the decision after that tells you how much of a screw job it was. He didn't even think he won. One of the judges shortly after admitted the decision was a mistake. All three judges voting against Jones were eventually suspended. Three of the judges have been wined and dined by South Korean officials. 
Jones was never awarded the gold medal. If you don't have any belief in the Olympics, it's because of things like that. Roy Jones Jr. Absolutely screwed. Had a great pro career, but should be known as an Olympic gold medalist and is not. So 1988 Seoul Olympics. Just a little Olympic history for everybody as we roll for the draft. Mm-hmm. RDT. The Calvin Johnson rule. Week one, 2010. Mm, good one. But that touchdown against the Bears. Like literally was lying on the ground for like 10 seconds. Use the ball to get up. Not 10 seconds. Use the ball to get up. They called it incomplete. Like made the catch. It was a touchdown. Literally was just getting up to celebrate. I think it was a game winning touchdown. It ended up. It would have been. Um, called it incomplete. Ruined many a fantasy week one. I'm guessing for people. Um, just one of those. Like we were talking about with the Maryland game. That's just one of those calls where it's just like use your brain, like use your eyes and your common sense. Like you could see that it's the ball didn't touch the ground to be incomplete. He was using it after the play was over. It was just one of those like, and of course it was the Lions. It was always the Lions. It had to be the Lions for them to, that could never happen to anyone else. Um, And again, we may have some listeners who are too young for that, which is crazy. So go back and watch that if you have it. It's a pretty... It's a pretty bad call. I'm not over here like crying over spilled milk for the Lions, but it's just an, an awful, an awful, awful call. And I think they lost that game. Pretty sure they lost that game. Good pick. Thank you. Bash, you got your last two. Uh, I'm going to take Don Deckinger. Uh, might have botched the pronunciation there, but uh... – yeah, botched a playoff first there in the 1985 World Series, I believe. Uh, Would have ended it, right? Am I right on that? I mean, I think uh, so, but I can't totally remember. The bottom of the ninth, Jorge Orta. We're doing a lot of Wikipedia reading ball. on this draft. Mm-hmm. Worrell. Okay. It doesn't really tell me exactly what happened there, but I guess it was the leadoff guy in the ninth. Sure. I thought it was just straight up like the run scored on the play. It would have been the last out of the entire thing, but um, bottom ninth leadoff batter. Well, maybe he was the leadoff batter for the like in the on the lineup card, not necessarily at the inning. Anyways, yeah, no, the Royals um, took a World Series off of this. I mean, it was a difference maker in the World Series, and it was not a particularly close call. So um, I'll leave it at that. Shades of another screw job that I'll. Keep to myself for now. Um, and then I'm going to take the Music City Miracle. Forward pass. Sorry about it. Bill's got screwed. Any comment? No. Call. What I mean, do you think? You think it was a forward pass? No. I mean, I respect officials and umpires. I'll, you know. I think they're great humans who are trying to do their job as best as they can. And we should just listen to their, their, their calls and just respect what they say. So I would never disparage an ump or a referee for making any call. You know, I think it's childish and beneath me. So no, I agree with the call in the field. Ready to. Um, this may be what Banks was just talking about. Uh, Armando Galarraga and Jim Joyce. 
Just uh, that's such a good one. God, you, you feel for Armando Galarraga. That is one of the he looks so upset. And then Jim Joyce is so upset. The whole thing. Just, that, that that they're like. And I don't know if you saw, but last week, I think it was like Dartmouth or something like that. This kid, these kids put together like an 82 page presentation and presented it to Rob Manfred to in hopes that he would officially credit Armando Galarraga a perfect game and Manfred denied it. This is pretty funny. Because again, it's also like, what are you doing, kids? Like, just go fucking enjoy summer. Yeah, like, I mean, all the things about Rob right. Manfred, you can't do <laughs> yeah, it. You can't, you can't 82, do that. 82 pages, like, send him a tweet. If he says no, then you move on. But yeah, I mean, that's every, awesome. Everything about that. Like, I remember being at a barbecue and like a buddy's house or the pool and everything. And like, we're watching the game on the TV in the basement. And we're like, holy shit, you know, this is going to happen. We're going to get a perfect game. And I mean, he steps on the bag and it's got to be half a second later. The runner steps on the bag and he calls him safe. And it's like, buddy, Jim Joyce, what are you looking at? And and obviously, you know, Armando just kind of smiled at him and didn't chirp, didn't say anything. Again, I mean, people were, I, I mean, death threats, I'm sure he was getting it all. Armando Galarraga just kind of nodded his head and went back to the mound and, and, you know, finished the game. But, and then the, the scene the next day with him taking the lineup card out and Jim Joyce wiping away tears was very, yeah. I mean, it was a neat scene because again, I think he's, and he straight up was like, yeah, I fucked up. Like I, I messed up. That's, and again, that's the human element and, in umpires and stuff like that. Um, but that, that was one of the bigger, you know, I don't know technically if it's a, it's technically a screw job, I think, but it was, you know, I mean, it's a regular season game that could have been history for a pitcher and turned out not to be. And it seemed like Armando is pretty, he was okay with it. He didn't, he never bitched complained about it. I know it made Jim Joyce pretty upset, but that was one of the bigger ones that I could remember. And that's how you scrap together. A that's a good one. For our final pick, I'm going to take you guys back to an event that I know you're very, all very familiar with. I'm going to take you back to the 1986 FIFA world cup. Um, where one of the most famous games in the history of soccer was played quarterfinals between Argentina and England in which the legendary Diego Maradona considered one of, I would say like the three or four best players of all time scored a goal known as the hand of God, where he clearly handballed the ball in front of him and then, or no, excuse me, rose up to head the ball, clearly punched it into the goal and it was not called. Um, you can go to YouTube and find the video if you've never seen it. It'll be incredibly easy to find. Argentina eventually won two to one with Maradona then scoring uh, a goal that is known as the goal of the century, uh, where he slaloms through about seven England players and scores. It's an amazing goal. What was one of my favorite parts of this is two pronged. First of all, when he was asked about the goal after and whether he scored it illegally, he said, the goal was made with a little of the head of Maradona and with a little of the hand of God. That's an incredible quote. He then said that he considered the goal to be symbolic revenge for the United Kingdom's victory over Argentina in the Falklands War. That is great <laughs> stuff. I mean, that is just such great stuff. A little with the head of Maradona, a little with the hand of God, and then flip it and be like, yeah, these guys beat us in the Falklands War. Screw them. <laughs> this is why there's justice in the 1986 World Cup. Truly an incredible, truly an incredible thing. Um, he didn't say that directly after the game. He said that in 2019. But I do love that, like, as he's gone through his life, that's the justification he's found 
for um, the fact that he didn't get called to play goal. But England got screwed. I love rooting for England in all these World Cups. They, you know, football's coming home. So um, the referee looked at the referee when the referee looked at me and said goal, it was a nice feeling like some sort of symbolic revenge against the English. <laughs> it's great. It's great stuff. So there you go. Taking that with the last pick, Diego Maradona. A lot of international sports uh, had actually was I, I should have thought about that because really screw jobs happen on the international scene with like judge sports. And I just stopped mm-hmm. thinking about it. Um, David uh, Peltier, Jamie Saleh, one of the great screw jobs. I thought you were going there Olympics. in the second Almost or third round. It, but I think I've taken that in another. I think I took that in another draft. Yeah. So I decided it was on my board. It. it was very close to being picked. Um, there's a, there's numerous, I mean, you can go look up like, I mean, Camilla Valle, even from this year, she shouldn't even been competing. That's a screw job for everyone that was involved in that competition. I think we talked about that a little bit on the podcast at one point. Um, there's Olympic stuff all over the place and, and, and boxing has like a bunch of judging controversies. I couldn't really find one that I like specifically loved to go with for boxing or MMA, but there's, I mean, there's so many of those. They almost kind of blend together at this point. Um, I had, I had, I had, you know, the church from last night on my list, but um, I wouldn't say it, it, it measures up to some of these. So what'd you guys have, if anything? I had the uh, 2007 Ravens Patriots Monday night football, the phantom timeout that Rex Ryan called that he wasn't authorized to call. We stopped Tom Brady on a fourth and one that would have ended the game. Um, that's a big one. Um, I had, I actually had a soccer one myself. Uh, I was watching in my, calculus class at university of maryland my freshman year when ireland and france had a match that i believe decided winner goes to the world cup terry Henry with a handball there absolutely screwed the irish yep fuming in the back very good i totally forgot about that one um replay i mean it should i i can i can give you i can give you a quick description of that because it is actually in the hand of god wikipedia page during the final minutes of the second leg of the playoff for the 2010 World Cup between Ireland and France, William Galas, who was once a really good player on FIFA, scored the decisive goal from a Thierry Henry assist for an 2-1 aggregate victory and qualified them for the World Cup. Controversy followed that showed Henry repeatedly centering the ball with his hands moments prior to passing the ball to Galas, despite protests from the Irish. Swedish referee Martin Hansen, who I'm sure is reviled in uh, the country of some of our heritage, Thanks. Most of your heritage did not admonish Henry and allowed the goal after the match ended. The sports media around the world gave Henry's cross uh, Henry's Jesus Taylor Henry's cross several nicknames ranging from the new hand of God to the more scathing, the hand of the frog. The latter uses an insulting term towards French people. Apparently, mm. um, I'll keep that one in mind. Um, yeah. I had miles Jack in the AFC championship game five years ago. Just another example of, uh, whatever the Patriots do to have all that fall their way all the time. We watched that at uh DOS. We did watch it at the old DOS beer house. I threw up so much like 45 minutes after that. Yeah. There was a goal taken off the board in game seven of the 2010 Eastern conference quarterfinals between the Capitals and the Canadians. People forget that. They just remember Halak stopping everything in that series, but there was also some screw job at play there. Um, yeah. So. RDT definitely has nothing. I had Titan Super Bowl because the field should be only 99 yards long. Okay. And with that, the Nick Cannon Medley, Maryland person of the week, RDT. 
Uh, I have you for giving Banks and Nilo's press passes for the games. Thank you. That was fun. My pleasure. Wow. Got to get the boys in the. Got to get the boys in the. I'm stadium. thankful. Marshall Lynch, I'm thankful. First credentialed event for the Executive Two podcast. Thanks to the wonderful Maryland media coordinator Rose to Paul Shout out to her. She did a great job this weekend. Mm-hmm. So thank you to mm-hmm. her. Um. Yeah. The boys cool. are, are so official. Also, time. shout out to like multiple people who I ran into that that were fans of the pod asking where you guys were um, on Sunday. So, so one day, I guess Saturday, but yeah, we're there Monday. So yeah, and I wasn't there Friday. So we were never all together there as a pod, but we were there. Uh, Banks, we got uh, humans. Uh, I'm I'm on team human, and by way of being pro PGA Tour, I am. Out on LIV golf or whatever you want to call it. The, oh, how are golf, we pronouncing that? I should I should correct myself. The Saudi Golf League, um, the PGA Tour. If you read closely, has made sure to call it the Saudi Golf League every chance they get. Um, they are absolutely uh, taking it to those guys. It's interesting. This this week, uh, this especially today, was a interesting day of. Reporters getting thrown out of press conferences and awful team names and awful team logos for LIV golf, Saudi golf league. Um, Bill Mickelson is back. DJs jump ship. And apparently there's more to come once the Saudis come to America for the Portland event, whenever that is. So um, I'm pledging my fealty to the PGA tour. So you won't be playing in it. I will not be playing in it. Wow. That's that's big news. I, I may be watching the Saudi Golf League, if only <laughs> to know my enemy. I also am going to check out the Saudi Golf League just to make fun of the production, which I'm assuming will stink, considering they've had, had misspellings on things all day. So they can't be that. Um, two things I want to say about the Saudi Golf League. On a person, this guy, this this probably will not resonate with any of the audience, but the like lead play-by-play commentator for NBC's coverage from really Arlo White is going to be the lead commentator for this. That sucks. He was awesome in the Premier League, and I just – that sucks. Uh, Banks has definitely read these. RDT, I would imagine you have not. Who – what team are you supporting? I'm going to go down the team names of the <laughs> Saudi Golf League. Four Aces, the Niblicks, the Majestics. You can tell me if I'm pronouncing these wrong, Banks. Ironheads, Stinger, Cleeks, Crushers, High Flyers, Fireballs, Smash, Torque, and Punch. Those are the names of the teams. All of those with GC after for golf club. So four aces golf club, captained by Dustin Johnson. <laughs> who do you got? I'm looking them up right now because who was it? The fire. There's the fireballs of Sergio Garcia. The fireballs looks like the ball on the major league logo. That is every everyone has played in Little League against that a team with that logo. That's been yeah. a logo in every little league across America. I think the, the Guardians didn't really go far from that. They did not deviate very far with that. Threw a letter on it, called it a day. Trying to find them. I thought I tweeted it earlier. Um, also, two interesting connections, really quick. We talked about Bush Gore earlier. Ari Fleischer, the former Bush press secretary, was moderating the presser, which is very bizarre. Did you and, and did you see they asked him about some old tweet he had about the Saudis? I missed that. Look, look that up after after this. They asked him about it and he goes, oh, that tweet was a long time ago. 
<laughs> and then if you like, want to, okay. if you want to go look at some like really good reporting from a guy on the ground, Kevin Van Valkenburg, who used to write for the Sun, is uh, reporting on it in um, London, the first events in London for ESPN, and his stuff today has been awesome. So um, go check out his Twitter if you're trying to like kind of get a crash course on what went on there today. I I think I'm rolling with Stinger GC. I do like <laughs> that logo. That's a neat one. You like your big Louis Oosthuizen guy. He's they have a big all South, South Africa guy. They have yeah. all South Africans on the team. Little uh, little little scorpion stinger there. Yeah, I Rush can't imagine this cool is going to be good. But I mean, there's you know golf podcasts that do a great job breaking this down, like No Laying Up and, and all those. Like this is stuff is fascinating in terms of like the golf aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like and at Banks, obviously you like cover this for Barstool and write about it, and it's like. If it becomes a situation like the the report the report today was like guys like Kepka and and Ricky Fowler and Bryson maybe on their way to this thing, it's going to be pretty fascinating. You know how golf if golf splinters if, if there's a long term splinter if this is a thing that kind of like lasts for a short period of time. Um, if the majors allow the guys that are with the Saudi golf league to play in the majors, that's ultimately going to be one of the biggest decisions that's made. The USGA right now is letting guys next week. Like Phil Mickelson is going to play in the U S open, which is going to be an incredible media <laughs> storm. Um, it's fascinating. It's super fascinating. And I don't think it's good for golf. I'll tell you that. I do not think it's good for golf. I mean, the, the press conference the today was a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. Yeah. Who would be your your the when because I I don't think Bryson and Brooks would obviously be the two biggest. I mean DJ's big. I do think Bryson and Brooks have more clout from a fan interest perspective than DJ, who doesn't really give a shit about really anything other than making money for his family. Which fair enough. Um, I don't. I'm trying to think of like which guy I'd be like. Oh no, and I think it would be Spieth, which I don't think he's going anywhere. But fair. Guy like you're coach. obviously taking Tiger out of the picture. Correct. Tiger is out mm-hmm. of the picture. Tiger has no need to do this. He's the- Colin Morikawa, maybe. Oh yeah. I don't think yeah. John Rahm would surprise anybody all that much. So I'm surprised I don't think he's not in. He's it. the guy. Yeah, to some degree, I'm surprised too. Uh, and he was one of the people that came out, you know, weirdly in February and said, "I pledge my fealty to the PGA Tour," just like DJ did, which lends some credence to the idea that he was actually on the other side and now he, you know, came back. Whereas DJ eventually folded. There's also an entire fascinating discussion of this, of like sports washing and how, you know, oppressive regimes use sports and entertainment to like make their societies more acceptable. I mean, as someone that watches golf, but also like watches professional wrestling, Saudi Arabia is doing the exact same thing with all of the events they're associated with, with WWE, which just not got as much press in this golf situation because, and they're doing it with, um, they're doing it with F1 as well, but those leagues aren't like breakaway leagues. Like this is literally a funded league by the Saudi government to like bring them more into the four. It's a fascinating, it's really, a, it's one of the most fascinating stories in sports that because golf is not like, you know, a big four, it doesn't necessarily get like day-to-day coverage here, but it is super, super fascinating for a variety of reasons. It, I'm also pro PJ tour. It reminds me of the, what was the super league, the soccer stuff that they were doing? Like, yeah, but except it's not with like dirty money and stuff like, that. you know, it's not like a whole, well, well, super league. Is, yeah, but it's money. not like, 
No, no, the no. Saudi, the saying, Saudis, I think. He's saying people, the Super League wasn't dirty money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The Super yeah, League yeah. did have a little dirty money involved. Yeah, but not as much as I think the Saudi. This is money. all dirty money. Every cent is dirty money. Yeah, and, and so, because again, like that was talked about a lot, I feel like. And I feel like this kind of, obviously, like Banks, you were saying today, it kind of all was just piling. I mean, the news, news after news after news today was just coming out, coming out. Um, and it was like, it kind of came out of really nowhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested to see where this goes and what happens with it. Cause like you said, I mean, it, this could get very juicy and it's, it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And the reason this is a little bit different than the super league, which I do think is like a pretty solid comparison from you to a certain extent, there's no like fan rebellion that can necessarily happen to like put clubs in a or put these guys in a place where they're like brands are so tarnished because the money is so ridiculously high mm-hmm. that like for Justin Johnson, you're like screw the fans. Like I'm getting paid 250 mil. Yeah. Teams Whereas are entities specific, that are. Yeah. Go ahead. You, yeah. In perpetuity. Like they, they like soccer teams stand to exist forever. DJ's made his money and built his legacy, which you could say is tarnished um now but that that money is money he would not have gotten otherwise so it was just he kind was of not different... finding a he was not finding a way in his career to make the money he has now gotten and at pretty much everyone that has decided to play this tour is saying the same thing like they're paying i mean banks you wrote the blog on barstool the other day like the report is that they offered tiger woods around a billion dollars to join this league that's the type of money right. that is being thrown around here it's not like dustin johnson got paid five million to like come play this league he's probably getting in the neighborhood i yeah, i'm just speculating of like 250 million dollars i don't think that's an insane thought that that's the number he's getting didn't they say 125 or 150 Sure. Yeah. Something around there. Builds 200 is the number that's reported. And you would think Brooks is probably a little more elevated than DJ's, I would think, because he's got a little bit more. Probably somewhere between them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So, like, that is like Kevin Na, who is just, you know, essentially reviled on the PGA Tour would be a word I would probably use for this guy. I don't think anybody really likes him. Like, he is moving to the live golf and he's going to get millions of dollars that, like, he would have to win on the PGA Tour. Like, these guys are getting fees up front. And then the biggest purse in the history of golf is getting given out in London this weekend. Hmm. In the history of the sport, it's a field that has. I mean, you look at the field, it is an atrocious field. I think the strength of field I read somewhere is like equivalent to like the Barracuda Championships, which is like a um it's an alternate event. Alternate alternate field event for the PJ Tour, which means it's like going at the same time as another PJ Tour event that's at of elevated status. That's a terrible strength of field. Yeah. So it's I mean they're they're basically they're getting signing bonuses. That's what it is. It's you know, yeah, hundred percent pretty much fees. So, yeah. 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 Super fascinating. I will. I'm, 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 I, I just don't know how to pronounce it. Is it live? Is it LIV? Is it, is Saudi it golf? Saudi golf. Or humanity okay. guys. Yeah. Okay. Or that's, that's exactly right. Circling back. I'm team human. I'm here for human rights. I'm here for the tour. Okay. So if they pay, if they offered 150 to go over there and podcast. 150 what? Million. I'd have to discuss that with my family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to Jimbo, sit down. You would find it. <laughs> that's a personal decision that's that I'll an make. With my loved that's ones a personal decision that I cannot make at this time. 
I yeah. I cannot. Can I tell you something? I don't deal in hypotheticals. <laughs> <laughs> cannot deal. Cannot deal in hypotheticals. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Rafael Nadal. What a fucking legend this guy is. Wins a French Open. He's got two, first two Grand Slams of the year. He basically can't feel his right foot. He's a competitor. He's now got two more Grand Slams than that clown, Novak Djokovic. <laughs> I feel like a Fox News reporter saying that, but in the reverse, because <laughs> just like coming up with a nickname for somebody, that was like a Sean Hannity line. <laughs> uh, he's just the man. I've always loved Nadal, and he's just such a competitor. Guy can barely walk. Just going out there and just grinding it over Medvedev and people like that. Speaking of barely walk, we were, Banks and I were watching the high the the, the re- replay of the, his uh, the guy that he was facing the other night. Who Ooh, Zverev stinks. That yeah. stinks. Mm-hmm. Feel bad for him. He's a great player. Coco Golf also made the finals, but lost to Svitek, who who's won like thirty six consecutive matches. But shout out to Coco. That Coco becoming one of the few like phenom phenoms in tennis from an American perspective that's actually like delivering a little bit. So good for her. She's very fun to watch. Now was talking tennis. Any honorable mentions? Um, I've got Jurassic World Dominion comes Ooh. out this Friday. I will be seeing that. I will give a full review next week on the pod. I'm probably seeing Top Gun this week, so we'll, I'll give a Top Gun review. I've heard good things about that. Bash, go see a movie. <laughs> Watch uh, Happy Feet again. Oh God, brutal, <laughs> absolutely brutal. I was never a big fan of Happy Feet. It was a bad movie. It's a horrible right. plot. What are your is Happy Feet been consumed in the in the RDC household? At this we point? we've we've seen bits and pieces. She likes there is a uh, Disney Plus uh, Penguin documentary that is narrated by Ed Helms, and she likes that one a lot. That's Steve the Penguin looking for his girlfriend Adeline. So good move. It's a good documentary. It's fun. It's fun. That's what we all know. Yeah, Ed Helms is in it. Yeah. It's fun. Family fun. What um, kids movie are you on? I like this getting this update like every two months. Uh, I mean, we're still big on Encanto. Obviously, it's 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 great. Um, big. We don't talk about Bruno family. Um, have yeah. every toy, every Encanto toy. I'm looking at Casita right now. Everyone, everyone's in there. So, um, yeah, we're, we're still big on. Uh, although she is big into, into dinosaurs this week, obviously. So. Getting the whole the whole family's ready, so I will say that. Um, my I do have a second uh, honorable mention: Varun Ram. I saw this playing Varun Ram, I guess, uh, playing for the India Rising Hoops team in the tournament. TBT. Mm. How can we still not get a Maryland team in this tournament? Didn't didn't they have one? Didn't they have a DMV there was, team? Uh, there was definitely a team like in the like early on. Yeah. That was like Stoglin played on it, I think. It was like Dino Gregory. Uh, once once Terrell Stoglin's playing on it, it's not a Maryland team. I'm sorry. Just like, oh, who, do you, who do you want? Evan Smotrich? Oh, oh. No, no, no. I just like Terrell Stoglin has said bad stuff about Maryland. I, so you, you, you're you saying we need to get the Crime Stopper out. I would, would love the Crime Stopper perfect. in this. He, perfect. Was he not in it at one point? He has to have played in this. I mean, sorry, that was a cheap shot be... Stoglin. I enjoyed watching Terrell Stoglin play as a cheap shot of him. <laughs> How old is Akil Carr at this point? He's probably 30, 28, yeah, 29. I guess a year younger. I think a team maybe. with like, I know these guys are playing overseas. A, a team with like Des Wells, you know, 
I don't know, mm-hmm. mellow. Like, wh- why wouldn't Cowan play in this? Like, I would love to see Anthony Cowan in this. I know, I guess, I know those guys play internationally and they're not trying to play all the time, but you could put together such a fun Maryland team that I think, like, Maryland fans would get, like, super invested in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it'll be fun Charles to see Stoglin. Varun play. That'd be cool. Be good for Varun. Um, Banks, you have anything? Um, good citizenship. Uh, I have jury duty tomorrow. Oh. So thank me for my service. What are you going to get with your $15 for lunch? Uh, probably just locking in some Rofo, to be honest. A little chicken. Uh, pro tip, get some sunflower seeds and, and a, a bottle of water or something and just see how many seeds you can spit in one day. I got, um, I got my um, jury duty um, during COVID. So I have not, then they obviously got expunged. So I've not gotten the call back. Mm. Never uh, had it. Never got called for it. The city. It's really? An I've thing. done it. In the, yeah. I've done it in the County. When I lived in the County, I've done it in, in Towson. Um, have not done it. To, I haven't done it since I've been in the city. I've not done it. Pro- probably do a little live tweet. Um, have you done it every year time? you've been in the city? I only did it the one time, like the July second, right before the uh, the annual Kent Island party. Mm, I got that's held right. up on my that's way right. there. Yeah, cannot wait for the Kent Island party. Assuming that's happening, and then we're invited. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a good time. Um, I will give another shout out to the Terps baseball. They just yeah. deserve to be on there, and then. Um, Oh, I had another one, and it is escaping me at the moment. This is very, very uh, – Dewey Beach. What a fun place. Mm-hmm. What a fun place. Yeah, I guess you didn't get your taste with us uh, last weekend. Yep, yep. Waited a weekend. Bachelor party for a friend of the show, Sean Ellenby. Um, an incredibly good time. Um, shout out to his – to his uh to his boys the from from their uh, Bel Air crew so that we had a good time and uh, Dewey is a scene I mean what an absolute scene that place is starboard bot B and C was was rocking uh we went to that bar it looks like kind of like a gazebo Jimmy's or whatever oh, another Jimmy's yeah, Jimmy's Chicken Shack or whatever yeah yeah um they had Fun some fun. good live music so go to Dewey Dewey Beer Company. Did not go to Dewey Beer Company. Did not make it over there. Um, by the way, love that that's like the biggest party town of all time that you just like cannot drink on the beach. Well, no, you can. Uh, May 15th is the cutoff. You can drink from September 15th to May 15th when it's out of season. Oh, when yeah, we went for the bachelor off, they party, kicked, they you, kicked us off the beach. <laughs> yeah, you could have dog. You can do. There's no lifeguards, no nothing. So we I mean, that's when we were drinking. You know, you can do whatever you want. You can park. Yeah, that was the best part about going down a couple weeks ago. You could park wherever, didn't need any parking passes. Everything was fair game. So it was. What did I say last summer? I said the beach belongs to the people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. As uh, to quote Super Troopers, this isn't your beach. What do you say? This isn't your sand. Have we done a, by the way, and I, cause I stopped at both places um, on my way and there, my way back. I think we need to have like a full Wawa Rofo debate. We could put a pin in that. Yeah. Let's put a pin in that. I just want to bring that up. I don't want to do it right now because we're going to sign off the show here. Cause we're recording pretty late, but we'll, that'll be a little, we'll have some, we'll have some summer debates coming up the next couple Maybe weeks. Maybe we do a road trip with some live podcasting in the car. 
That would be uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Captain's Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Captain's Cup. RDT, you can come up and announce. There we go. When are you getting back to the beach, RDT? All this week, we should what, have a we what, should have a little pod, a little pod. Fourth of July, baby. I'll be down in Bethany. Mm. Are you going to have a Fourth of July, Banks? I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, rental season starts July first, I think. So that's you know I gotta find a I gotta find accommodations. A yeah. Maybe we have a little. We have a little. Maybe we try to do a podcast at Secrets. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that's a very doable thing. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll talk offline. That's yeah. it for this week's episode of the X Fifty Two Podcast. Appreciate all of our supporters. Thread Level Midnight, um, Jimmy Seafood, Fed Thrill, all the fans. Once again, appreciate. I know that Banks and RDT had some people, as people at the game, come up, say they love the pod, love having those interactions. It's awesome. It's really cool to see. Like I feel like now every time I go to any type of event, like we were at Preakness, people were coming up to Banks. It's very, very cool. Um, so keep coming up to us, keep letting us know how we can improve the show. Um, and, uh, we will continue to keep this thing rolling. That is it for this week's episode of the X2 podcast. Follow us on social media at X2 podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Follow banks at barstool banks. You can follow RDT at E D I T T I 22. My brain is like collapsed right now. I can't even get through the end of this. And we will see. <laughs> I was like, I think I ended the show twice there. We'll see you next time on the exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy seafood.